0: Welcome to episode 48 of the podcast, everyone. My name is Sean Carter. We're going to get right into the Ethy Awards with four new nominees this week. Forget it, Arnie. This baby's got 93,000 miles on it. Probably 193. I don't care. Bet it won't even start. She'll start. You need these. How much do you want for? Her? I mean, whatever it is, it's not enough. Jesus, Arnie. Johnny, you ever owned a car before? Yeah, you own some Mustang. No. I just got my license. Name's George Lube. Honey Cunningham. What are you asking? Start her up. Really? Her name's Christine. I like that. Uh, that was a clip from the Stephen King thriller Christine, the tale of a car that ran him up. Well, here we have an equally horrifying tale of a Florida lawyer who runs amok behind the wheel of a car, intentionally driving to a crowd of people outside of a supermarket, sending one of them to the hospital. She's arrested shortly thereafter, and according to the police, she's admitting that she actually tried to kill the people, complete strangers, but there were voices in her head. At present, she's being held in jail without bond and has been charged with, among other things, four counts of attempted murder. In addition, the Florida Bar suspended her on an emergency basis last month, thus qualifying her for a nomination for most impaired in a non-legal setting. This is for lawyers who have some type of impairment, in this case apparently a mental condition, that happens outside the practice of law, but still affects their ability to practice. Now at present, there's no reason to suspect that this lawyer wasn't suffering from some kind of psychosis at the time. After all, she actually tried to kill folks by running them over with a Kia, That in and of itself is crazy. Because I'm not sure you could kill a cockroach by running over it with a Kia. And that's assuming you could get that car up to enough speed to catch the cockroach. Now, in all seriousness, the lawyer told both the police and the judge at the arraignment that she suffered from mental health issues. And this is another great example of why we shouldn't be so quick to judge people from their appearances. Uh, This young woman had, from all outward appearances, she had her stuff together. She's a highly successful personal injury lawyer with not only her own law firm, but her own billboard. They don't give that to just anybody. In 2007, she was featured as a rising star in an edition of the top 100 attorneys in a magazine called Top 100 Magazine. And by no means does she look crazy. In fact, this woman is supermodel gorgeous. At least from the photos I saw during the eight hours I spent on her Instagram page. (laughs) Seriously. Until this incident, there's no reason that any of her 50,000, by the way, 50,000 IG followers would suspect that she was having mental health issues. She was successful, dropped dead gorgeous, engaged, remarried. She had it all, or so it seemed. So if we take anything from this tragic case, it should be two things. One, you don't judge a book by its Instagram page. In other words, don't just assume that everything is okay with someone because they look okay. It's entirely likely that this lawyer was becoming increasingly psychotic during the days and weeks leading up to that fateful incident. And just as likely that even those closest to her didn't see the warning signs because she looked to be doing just fine. The second lesson is not put off dealing with your mental health. This lawyer says that she hadn't seen her doctor in a few months. Perhaps she got busy with work, holidays, or she just felt fine. So she blew off the appointments. And my understanding is that this is quite common. People often say, you know, I don't need to go to therapy or take these drugs anymore. I'm fine now. Yeah, you are fine because you're going to therapy and taking your medicine. And when you stop doing those things, you're likely to go back to experiencing the problems that drove you to wisely, by the way, wisely, seek treatment in the first place. Except there's no guarantee that this next time you'll return to the same behavior as before. It might be worse, like much worse. As this case illustrates, it only takes one, one incident to dramatically alter the course of an otherwise life well lived. So please, please, take your crazy butt to the doctor. My appointment's on Tuesday. Prison? Will I go to prison? You heard the learned judge will quite certainly be charged with perjury, tried for it, and to prison you shall go. Well, it won't be for life, will it? If I were appearing for the prosecution, it would be. You loathe me, don't you? Like the people outside. What a wicked woman I am, and how brilliantly you exposed me and saved Leonard's life. The great Sir Wilfred Robarts did it again. Well, let me tell you something. You didn't do it alone, you had help. What are you driving at? I'm not driving at anything anymore. Leonard is free, and we did it. We? Remember? When I came to see you and you said that no jury would believe an alibi given by a loving wife, no matter how much she swore her husband was innocent, that gave me the idea. What idea? The idea that I should be a witness. Not for my husband, but for the prosecution, that I should swear Leonard was guilty and that you should expose me as a vicious liar because only then would they believe Leonard was innocent. So now you know the whole story, Sir Wilfred. Now, I probably should have given a spoiler before that one. I think you now know how that movie ends. That movie, by the way, is witness for the prosecution. Now, in fairness, the movie is like 80 years old, so you really probably should have already seen it by now. That's on you, boo. But anyway, (laughs) it was chosen because our next nominee is an Illinois lawyer who willingly bore false witness for his client slash boo. In short, the lawyer is approached by a woman who'd been charged with a misdemeanor offense of criminal damage to property. She pays him a $560 retainer, And he becomes her lawyer. And not long after that, he becomes her lover. Now, we go through these cases all the time. You know this is a definite no-no. However, this lawyer is not being nominated in the usual category of worst love scene because he wasn't done showing complete disregard for the rules. Not not yet. So after the couple had been dating for about eight months, the client found herself in a position where she desperately needed to move out of her current apartment. The problem was that she was currently unemployed at the time. Hard to get a new apartment when you don't have a current job to help her out the lawyer said this is what I'll do and so he prepares for her an employment verification letter and he says look in the letter he says she works for me she's a legal secretary here we pay her $40,000 a year that's not true she doesn't work there however seeing this letter the landlord says, fine we'll give her the apartment she can pay us back And that obviously violates the rule requiring lawyers to avoid dishonesty, misrepresentation, fraud, and deceit in all of our dealings. Even when it's outside the practice of law, right? For our boo, we can't lie on their (laughs) um, apartment rental application either. Now that said, the lawyer is not being nominated for most creative tale. The nomination here is for Comeback Kid. And, And here's why. Because despite two somewhat serious ethics violations, The Illinois Hearing Board proposed only a censure against this attorney. After reading their report, I'm somewhat surprised they didn't offer to give him a piggyback ride out of the state bar building. They love this guy. For instance, they went to great lengths to point out that, sure, he probably maybe kind of shouldn't have slept with the client, but it's no big biggie. No biggie at all, because she was all up on him anyway. Who wouldn't be? And yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but only a little bit. And as for the lawyer lying to the landlord, it's all good in the apartment complex hood, right? Because why? The girlfriend got a job eventually, right? She made all but one of the rent payments on time. And besides, if she hadn't been able to swing the rent, the lawyer says that he would have paid it for anyway. So why y'all tripping? (laughs) I'm paraphrasing once again, just slightly. And if you're like me, you're thinking, what's the deal? (laughs) Lawyers get suspended or even disbarred. All right, for less than this why did this lawyer get off with just a warning is he related to someone on the board uh, does he have nude selfies of them he might but but that's not what happened here at least you know, i don't know that let me tell you the part that i do know is that this lawyer had really persuasive friends who served as character witnesses on his behalf so here's how the board's report reads we also give considerable weight to the testimony of the six witnesses who spoke with passion and conviction regarding the respondent's honesty, dedication to clients, high moral character, and value to the profession. Their testimony made a strong impression on us. In particular, we were persuaded by the consistency of the character testimony, praising the respondent for his untiring dedication to his clients and mentoring of young attorneys, attributes which demonstrate his value to and positive influence on the legal profession. Now, I don't know the identity of these character witnesses, uh, but I'm guessing that at least three of them were Jesus, which according to my understanding of Christian theology is the right math. It adds up. <laughs> Seriously. Despite direct evidence of wrongdoing, right, the board was more convinced by the testimony of those who appeared before them and said basically, who are we going to believe? All right. Our <laughs> lying eyes or these fine people right here. And amazingly, the board was like, yeah, you know what? We're right. We're going to believe these people, these ethical violations. Ah, they're they're nothing. These people say that he's a good guy. We're going with that. Now, either that or they're just blown away that a lawyer has six friends. We're usually not that likable. I've I've got four and I'm funny. (laughs) And on a serious note, the lesson here is that if you want to at least carry yourself in a way that your professional colleagues should go to court and swear on the Bible that whatever nonsense you did last Is an aberration that the real you is more honest than Abe Lincoln and that you would have freed the slaves even quicker. And I'm not being totally facetious. After years in in your profession, there should be someone, anyone, Bueller, anyone, all right, who'd be willing to put their hand on the Bible or at least one of the Lord of the Rings books and say, you know what, I believe that you are at heart honest, kind, decent, and trustworthy. And that should be the case even if you have to fake it. And what I mean by that is that you can carry yourself in a way, all right, that's hypocritically good, honest, and decent. The person you'd want to be, even if you're not there yet. And I'm going to give you an example because I'm really good at this. <laughs> I, when I go to speak live, I always wear my preacher suit and I have very prayerful poses. And I look to be a very pious person. Now You've listened to me long enough to know I, I, I'm not so pious. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get back to IG, uh, uh, Instagram right now. Right. but... That said, I don't hold myself out there like that in public. I have such a, a, a squeaky clean, at least I try to portray, such a squeaky clean image that I was in a meeting once and you know everyone's getting up and talking and one woman gets very, very excited and in the process of doing so, she lets slip an expletive. For those of you who went to public school, a, a bad word. It's not the worst word. It's a word I could say. I probably have said on the podcast. I'm not going to say it here. I'm trying to make a point. And she turns this room full of men and women and says, oh wow, Sean, I'm so sorry to use that language in front of you. And I had to internally laugh. See, I've heard that word before. I've used that word before. I've used it about her before. But she doesn't know that because when I'm out about, I try to hold myself in a way so I can get my six witnesses on the stand. I encourage you to do likewise. Wait a minute, no way. Is that you, Mr. Pibb? Hey, you recognize me? (laughs) How you doing, buddy? Give me five. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Pibb? Yeah, that's the name we gave him. We didn't have any friends down here, so they built us one. We'd go get you candy and sodas, that sort of thing. You were nice to him. Do you have to touch things to, like, understand them? Not always. What's he thinking about now? You've had an increase in mass. Mr. (laughs) Pibb. It's impossible to know what he thinks, Miss Jones. uh, His program is a rudimentary 15 megabyte system. He has no thoughts. I suppose you don't have thoughts of what your life would be like if you were a figure skater. (laughs) Well, then, I guess I'll leave you kids in the capable hands of uh, Jack Shepard. That was a clip from the movie Zoom which appears to be horrible. (laughs) It's about a ragtag group of kids who enroll into a superhero academy. Now, of course, I'll never know if this is actually a good movie or not because I'm just using it for the title, Zoom. And it's a nominee in the category of most impaired in a legal setting. Now, that's different than most impaired in a non-legal setting because this actually happened in a court, right? in, In the practice of law. And it involves one of my homeboys, so to speak, an Arizona lawyer who has been suspended for six months and a day you know that day is important for showing up to a zoom proceeding drunk now the lawyer was serving as a prosecutor in a criminal case and this particular status conference got off to a bad start when the lawyer had difficulty turning on his video camera now that said I should make clear that the median age of a lawyer here in Arizona is technically deceased so I'm pretty sure this isn't the first time an Arizona lawyer couldn't figure out how to get the camera or even the whole computer to turn on. However, when they're finally able to talk him through the process, that by the way, he should have been well familiar with as a prosecutor after like a year of a pandemic, the judge notes that the lawyer is slurring his words. The next day, the judge holds a hearing to discuss this with the lawyer and says, Hey, you know, what's going on? Were you drunk? And the lawyer was like, Oh, no, I wasn't drunk. I was just very sleepy. See, got baby, and the baby's been keeping us up at night. Oh, how old is my baby? Um, he's twenty-four. All right, but but he stays up late playing Grand Theft Auto. It's impossible to sleep through all that racket. All right, and obviously, I'm paraphrasing. I, I wasn't there. All right, but I do know the lawyer denied being drunk. Said he was just sleep deprived instead. Now, just so we're clear, being sleep def- deprived would not be a valid excuse for incompetent representation. So you have an ethical obligation to actually, if you need sleep to function, to go bed, right? That's part of the the rule. (laughs) You actually have to be competent and to be uh, capable of doing your job. But even more, the lawyer had, in fact, been drunk at the time, something that three weeks later, he decides he's going to come clean. He resigns from his job as a county prosecutor. He self-reports to the state bar and he says, hey, you know what? I was wrong. Matter of fact, I, I don't, this wasn't just one time. I'm an alcoholic and I have joined AA and I'm getting treatment. Now in fairness, that is how you're supposed to handle it when you contract the disease of alcoholism. And I emphasize disease because it's not a moral failing. All right, this is a thing that happens, could happen to any of us. But what you do if that does happen to you is you admit you have a problem, you seek treatment. And because of how rampant this problem is among lawyers, every state has a LAP, a Lawyer Assistance Program. And it's just for this purpose. And they can, through that program, you can get counseling. Um, you can get, be assigned a monitor or mentor, someone to keep you on track as far as going to meetings and getting treatment, someone to make sure that you are maintaining your law practice. The bar will try to work with you on this. And the Academy found this case particularly noteworthy or in case, I guess, ethically worthy because it's one of the first of what we expect will be many cases of ZUI. all right zooming under the influence many people have been dealing with the stress of the pandemic through self-medication and drinking it became particularly attractive as as a medicinal source uh, because thanks to zoom Laurie no longer has to worry about drinking and driving we don't have to put on pants as a result we expect this is not gonna be our last ZUI case for this year Uh, as we return back to normal many of us are going to be giving up the days of day drinking after all it, it really wasn't all that much fun how much fun is it to get drunk and then wake up and find that you, you know, in your same house, right? In the bed with the person you were supposed to be. That defeats the whole point of getting blackout drunk. So let's just give it up and go back to only doing that on weekends. Looks like a nigga got busted. Ooh, mm, super fly. And what is your name, beautiful thing? Um, my K. I'm thinking about and you too, man. You butt naked in your mind, girl, I'm telling you. I to get a piece of that right there. What are you doing here? I'm enjoying myself. And how about you? Why don't you enjoy yourself over there? Ha! <laughs> yeah. It's obvious this rude nigga here don't want to introduce me to you, people's. So I Second figure I'll heart. introduce myself. I am Freddie Tiffany, internationally known, I might add. How you doing, baby? Look at you, girl. I don't care. We can knock the cobwebs off of it. Me and you, I'll tell you. What is up with your IG? Oh, I get it. That way you can scope on her without pissing her off. You know what you need is some visine and some Windex. Much money as you make making, you could afford a better idea. Hey, that. what's up, dude? Everything cool? No, everything is not cool. There's a little leprechaun pimp here, and he is messing up our entire evening. Now get rid of him. That was a clip from the movie Double Take starred Orlando Jones and Eddie Griffin. And it's our latest nominee in the category of most creative billing. And here we have an Illinois lawyer who was a partner in a mega, mega firm. And he gets caught on the double take, or more specifically for double billing a client for legal services. And the double billing stemmed from his representation of a financial institution. Part of their agreements with their customers says that if something goes wrong or they need special help, then the company can bill their legal cost directly to the customer as a result the lawyer bills both the client and its customer for the same legal work of course a lawyer's wrongdoing is eventually discovered it always will be and he's fired from the firm and reported to the state bar and after examining the matter the state bar has given him a three-year suspension now, on the one hand, this looks like a simple matter of greed wrung amok. But here's the bizarre thing. This lawyer wasn't really stealing enough to make it worth his while. As I mentioned earlier, he's a partner in a mega, mega law firm. As a result, he's already making more than a million dollars a year. In contrast, the entire extent of his double billings was only $109,000. And remember, he wasn't going to keep all of that money. He has to split that 109,000 hundreds of ways among his other partners. Now, sure, he gets an extra big piece of the stolen pie because it's part of his originations, but it wouldn't be enough to make it tempting to risk giving up a million dollars a year for, say, $30,000 in extra income. So why did he do it? Now, you're going to find this hard to believe, but he's not taking the Academy's calls. We called to ask why. So really don't know. But I have a theory, just a theory, as to how this could have happened. And he could have been a victim of the third half. And yeah, let me explain. I'm gonna have to explain it to you. As a public speaker, I go around and I give talks at legal events and conventions and corporate events, etc. And my standard contract is that I get paid half of my money up front and the other half when I give the talk. Years and years ago, struggling and You know, I was working for what I thought, you know, or what I think now for peanuts. back then, I thought it was good money. But anyway, (laughs) I'm giving speeches, and I go to give a speech somewhere. They'd already sent me my first half. When I get to the venue, someone says, hey, good to see you, glad to see you here. And someone hands me my second half. I then give the talk, and it goes really well. And people come to me afterwards, yeah, great. And the person comes to me at that point and says, hey, Sean, here's a check. And now I've gotten three halves which is not good math, that's too many. And I do what any of you would do in that context. I say, I think to myself, let me pray on this. And so I go back to my room with my three checks and I pray on it. And I come to the conclusion that I should keep the money because it's a tip. I've worked really hard. There's a good talk. They really appreciated it. I wasn't getting really paid enough. And as a fact, as a result, they really owed me that third half anyway now you're going to find it hard to believe but when their accounting department realized that they had paid me three halves they had a disagreement and they called back say hey where's our money fool and i had to write a check and give them their money back even though i had already spent it it was an ugly thing my theory here is that it's possible don't know that just a theory that something similar could have happened here so so maybe this lawyer sent an invoice to the client's customer to pay for the legal services and then CC the client on communication. The client could have mistakenly paid the invoice, thought, hey, this is for us. And now the lawyer found that he had two checks for the same work. And for whatever reason, he thinks to himself, you know what, I did a really good job. I deserve a third half, or in this case, a fourth half. And here is where we have to all watch ourselves. Very few of us would steal money from others outright, but we might keep money that doesn't belong to us. And that little distinction, while it will work for us mentally, will be lost on our employers, professional governing bodies. Th- they're not going to care. And, and rightfully so, because it's just as wrong. Also, you are just as likely to get caught right, with your third half. So in the end, you're not going to get to keep it. So it makes the most sense to give the money back immediately. And if you do that you actually greatly increase your chances of getting many more halves. 3rd, 4th, 48th, 83rd halves. And I noticed because for once I learned my lesson. After that fiasco many, many years ago, Statue of Limitations has run. <laughs> I realized I will never, ever do that again. And it's a good thing I got that lesson out of it because it wasn't the last time I received a 3rd half. I don't know what's going on with accounting departments, but this has happened to me like a half dozen times, all right, in the, you know, 15 years since that happened. And every time I have sent the money back immediately, and you wouldn't imagine what it does for that client relationship. Yeah, they, they love me. Every one of those clients has hired me multiple times since, because at the very least, they know they can trust me and they can recommend me to others, which they do because they know I won't rip them off too. And the same thing will happen for you if you ever find yourself in position in possession of a third half. Uh, So you need to do the right thing, obviously, by returning it. Speaking of which, you can do the really right, right, right thing right now by giving this podcast a positive review on iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. And, of course, you can always become a patron um, by going to our Patreon page. You can find the link to that on the show notes of this episode. And even if you do none of that and you keep the third half of this ethics goodness all to yourself, that's okay. I sincerely just want to thank you for allowing me to share my brother's strange passion for ethics with you every week. So thank you so much for that. Everyone take care. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, CLE.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to Patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or at the ETHI Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.